I'm your host, David Nage. This is Baselayer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Baselayer podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of ARCA, where David Nage is a principal. ARCA is not responsible and does not verify for accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast series available for listening. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to educate and inform. The podcast series does not constitute financial advice or other professional advice or services. Please do your own research. This is David and this is your new episode of Baselayer. One I am excited about because this is a new portfolio company of our venture fund. I am happy to bring Evan, Dan, and Irene from YGGC with us today. How is everyone? Wonderful. Thanks for having us on. Wonderful. We have a party line. It's really great. Usually I have one founder or one co-founder on, and now I have three, which is fantastic. A lot to learn from everyone here. So what we'd like to do is everyone knows who listens to the show. We'd like to go into a little bit of the background of the founder, the co-founders, and find out what they did prior to their new project. And for those that are unfamiliar with YGGC, YGGC is what we call a sub-DAO of YGG, of Yield Guild Games. We'll talk about what a sub-DAO is for those that are unfamiliar with that terminology. And we'll talk about what YGGC is doing and why it is important. Before we do that, we'd like to go, as I said, to the co-founders and founders out there and find out what they did before. And you'll find, as you listen, that each one of these has experience that is through the roof, uh, especially in the gaming space. And that's really exciting because uh, we're finding lots of X, Web 2, Web 1, legacy gamer you know, type of professionals out there that are coming to the space and uh, they're seeing that there's a lot of value proposition here. So we will start with Evan and then we'll go to Irene and then Dan. So Evan, if you could, quick background, what did you do before? Why did you see and what are you doing there now? Great. Thank you for having us on, David. Um, my name is Evan and I'm the current CEO of YGGC. I've been in Asia now for 20 years. Uh, about 15 of those have been in video games. Uh, started out my career with PopCap Games and then uh, led to Electronic Arts after the acquisition and then with Unity Technologies later on. Uh, currently based out of uh, Taipei. And uh, I've really seen the evolution of games over these last 15 years, the switch to mobile and freemium and from all premium style games. And um, over the course of the last 10 years, I've, I've known Gabby, who was the original co-founder and CEO of YGG. And uh, this play to earn model came up and I, I just had to get on board. So here I am. Sounds good. Thank you. Irene? Hi, thank you, David. Um, I'm, well, I'm a bit younger than Evan, so I don't have 15 years of experience. That's my whole life, right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I've got half a decade of experience, uh, more or less, in the gaming industry, uh, investing into games simply because I just love gaming. Prior to that, I was actually in corporate finance uh, before I decided to move to the brighter side of things. And so after being in gaming for quite some time, it seems to be a natural transition when play to earns come into space. It's always my personal mission is to bring play 
back to everyone. Because mm. a lot of adults feel that, you know, if you're adults, then you can't really play anymore. But that's really not true. And so for, uh, for the first five years of my life in, in gaming, I've always wanted people to have a career, make a real career in gaming and to go against the normal conventions of growing up to become an accountant. Or mm. become, not that accountant is not great. I'm just not good in counting, you know, and those conventional jobs. And right now with YGTC, I am um, an Indonesian. So naturally I'm heading the Indonesian, um, as an Indonesian country manager. Mm-hmm. And we are trying to make gamer as an occupations going forward. I like and that. And we feel that having play to earn, that's a possibility. That's that's awesome. And just uh, as a talking point, I've said this many times on the show before, about 3 billion gamers around the world, about 20,000 of them are professional gamers. So you can do the math. A lot of adults out there who likes to play games. So now they can actually earn a little bit of money on the side too when they're doing that. Uh, we'll end with Dan, and then we'll go into what Why Did You See is. Sure. Hey guys, I'm Dan. Uh, I lead investments here at YGG Southeast Asia, YGGC. Um, prior to joining, uh, I started in finance, uh, but spent about, about the last decade in gaming at Riot Games. Uh, first headed up our international publishing teams. Uh, then as we were expanding pretty rapidly, our global expansion teams. And then finally, after the acquisition, uh, I joined the Riot China team uh, heading up operations. So uh, that all of that to say, it led me here at the intersection of uh, Web three and gaming. Awesome. Be excited. And something I've talked about for three years. If you're noticing, these people came from publicly traded companies. They came from corporate finance and trade fi. This is something where you're seeing people realizing that there's real opportunity here, and that's why they're coming into droves. And so, one of the things that's amazing about this world is the caliber of talent that continues to drive into this world of Web3, of decentralized finance, of GameFi. You're seeing real talent coming, and that's why this is a special time. I will bring it back to Evan. Evan, if you could um, potentially, if you were talking to someone out there who was just learning about this world of digital assets, they have spent the last year or so trying to get themselves smart on what Bitcoin is. They understand in some senses what Ethereum is, what could you tell someone like that that is starting to scratch the surface of this world what YGG is doing? Um, so essentially what YGG is, uh, is a guild that purchases NFT assets that allows players to join these play-to-earn games uh, without any upfront costs whatsoever. So then they're allowed to enter these games, leveraging or renting our, our assets, our in-game assets, generating the, the in-game and, uh, asset or improving the NFT itself, allowing them to then uh, generate some type of income from it and trade it back into fiat if they so desire. Got it. That's the short and sweet answer of what a guild is and how it's working here in Southeast Asia. And maybe, Irene, maybe you can opine about this because you've had years in gaming, and I know you've also been very influential with Gabby Dyson over at YGG. And if those are who are listening to this want to learn more about YGG, Gabby was actually on Base Layer about six months ago. So you can listen to that episode. It is fantastic. We talk a lot about what YGG is and mission there. Maybe, Irene, if you can talk to us a little bit about why this scholarship model really started to become an existence 
Now, for the first game out there, which was obviously Axie Infinity, talk to the listeners out there about the actual dynamics of that. People would be surprised that you need to actually have three of the NFTs to actually start playing and battling. So talk to us a little bit about the dynamics of why scholarships became so important over the last year. Sure, Ben. I think I think you hit it right on over there. A lot of people like to play, and it will be a dream for people to be able to earn while playing. Now, when play-to-earn space come in, it's a fresh of breath air. However, not a lot of people are aware that we need to buy those NFTs, and those NFTs are not cheap. So for those of you out there who are not familiar with NFTs, NFTs are are the, the game, the heroes of the game. So if you play Pokemon, for example, it's the Pokemon itself, right? So in the case of the first games, Axie Infinity, Axies are the cute Axies. Those cost money. And for people to start playing Axies, they need to acquire three of those Axies. And each Axies costs around 200 to 500 bucks. Of course, they are cheaper ones, but I really wouldn't suggest to go to that directions because especially if you want to play to, to earn something, right? And... Scholars then, uh, scholar models then works because we remove the barrier to entry. So anyone essentially could become, um, could, could enter into play to earn space and could start playing the games without any cost at all. That's what Evan mentioned earlier. And to our surprise is, not really to our surprise, but looking at the demographics of our scholars, a lot of them, they are, well, one, some of them are jobless because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Second, some of them are students who are about to be dropped out of school because of financial conditions, and mm-hmm. Axie helps to get them back to, stu- uh, to school. And the third one is people who are working, but they have spare time, which they usually use to play games without earning anything. Mm-hmm. So right now, it could become a part-time job, which it's impossible for them to do prior to this. Because imagine, uh, David, in, in Indonesia, where I am in, the minimum wage of Jakarta is approximately a four million, which is four hundred Sing dollars, or approximately two to three hundred US dollars. But if we go to the suburbs area, it it could drop to below hundred dollars per month. Wow! And Axie could give more than that, mm-hmm. and this is a part time job. Right. So it's 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 really life changing, and this is the true definition for me. What we do is combination of profit and purpose. I like that. And as Irene is alluding to, so the average Axie player out there has, you know, typically earn about 4,700 to 5,000 SLP per month, which based on the price of SLP, which is a digital asset, somewhere ranges anywhere between three to $500 USD per month. And so here in the States, especially has been predominant is the idea of the quote unquote side hustle, where someone could be working a, a job and then driving for Lyft or Uber or actually setting up Airbnbs. This is something that over the last five to 10 years has become kind of the gig economy. Um, and so for the last few years, I've been actually saying that what's going to happen is that you're going to have the new chain economy where you have you know people able to actually make a side hustle or extra income by using blockchain-based apparatuses like this. So really interesting. Dan, I'd like you to opine a little bit about this if possible. So with the guilds, in terms of what I would kind of call asset management, if you will. So guilds are not just buying Axie NFTs. There are now a number of other games that are coming out 
where you start to diversify your portfolio. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, and like Evan and Irene said, basically, we're trying to provide opportunities uh, for those who don't have them, right? Uh, talent is evenly distributed, but opportunity is not. Um, so our job is to try and equalize that to some extent. Um, and that means providing not just opportunities in Axie, but uh, anywhere there are side hustle opportunities or uh, an ability for people to both uh, get lucrative earnings while doing something that they enjoy um, in the spare times with flexibility so that they don't have to uh, maybe severely impact or damage uh, their core uh, lifestyle, uh, whether that's going to school, providing for family, uh, etc. And so when we look at games, we don't we don't concentrate on just one uh, genre. We look at all the different genres where people might find uh, games interesting, fun, engaging, because really engagement also drives the sustainability of that gaming ecosystem and ultimately the earning potential of that gaming ecosystem. Um, so you'll find that in a very short amount of time, um, you know, we've built up a portfolio of 20 plus games. Uh, with significant assets, uh, which you can think of essentially as the tools, the cars for Uber drivers, uh, et cetera, for people to, our scholars to use um, to be able to make these like uh, kind of side hustle earnings right. and do what they love. So again, listen to that 20 games. This is not just Axie. Axie has been the darling of the media world out there where Axie has gone from about 38,000 daily active users to 3 million users within the time span of the last six months. So yes, Bloomberg and other financial outfits have been covering Axie and sort of name more heavily these days, but 20 games. And so there are the likes of Splinterland, Star Atlas, you name it. There are other games coming out that are going to have an impact here that are all building around the play-to-earn dynamics and so this is a space, as I said, again, that is rife for innovation and opportunity. Evan, if you could, um, really would like to get a sense of the kind of the total addressable market in your region of YGGC. How many people are around in that region? How many would you equate to gamers right now? How many would you say are kind of ready and kind of low-hanging fruit for those that could potentially be scholars in, in this new kind of model that has been built out? So if you look at the, the region, you're looking at around um, about 655 million people. It's almost 9% of the world's population, uh, basically in Southeast Asia. The vast majority of, of that population, around 73%, are unbanked. Um, you've got about... Uh, I would say that, you know, a good indicator of this is to simply look at the, the ranking of the, the top 10 countries using MetaMask. So if you're looking at, uh, you know, growth opportunities and things like that, you can look at that and say, OK, four out of the top 10 are in Southeast Asia. Uh, Philippines is uh, number one in terms of MetaMask. So you've got Vietnam as number three. Indonesia is number nine and Thailand number 10. Uh, clearly, just based on population alone, you're looking at Indonesia having the, the highest growth opportunity based on population alone. Um, 
around the world, you're looking at about 3.4 billion gamers globally, about 2.2 billion on mobile. Um, but in terms of crypto, there's about 300 million users uh, simply using cryptocurrency. So there's huge growth opportunity there from going from the 300 million globally using crypto to the 655 million in Southeast Asia. In terms of uh, onboarding, that's where our local guilds come into play. Play to earn is a great onboarding to crypto. Uh, we have established offices in Malaysia, uh, Thailand, uh, um, Indonesia, and uh, Taipei right now. We'll be expanding into Vietnam shortly, and each one of those offices has a co-founder in place. And we're there essentially to reach the local population and uh, basically bring these players on board. Because when you, when you think back about your first introduction to crypto, you know, you'll, you'll do some searches online, you'll listen to great podcasts, podcasts like your, yourself, and you're interested in it, but you still have a lot of questions. And usually it all comes down to getting a friend locally to sit down with you and walk you through setting up your first MetaMask and all of uh, setting up uh, Discord. And that's really what those local community managers are doing, such as Irene in, in Indonesia. So um, in terms of uh, addressable market, it, it's enormous because you've got the vast majority of Southeast Asia is still very much a, a de developing region. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, typically yep. it's it's got, well, low, low, low uh economic development, uh, large populations, and uh, essentially very low income. So yep. this is ripe for play to earn. Yep. Irene, if you could, so we talked a little bit about with Dan on this one, but as I know, you've been an avid game investor. Talk to us about the state of the state of play to earn games right now as it evolves. So back in the day in 2014, I always like to refer to hacker Coin, basically it was a very very simplistic very kind of pixelated i always call it like 1982 atari based type of game not very fun to play but it was one of the first out there and then you started to kind of emerge uh after the the arrival of crypto kitties back in 2017 where you started to have some engineers and developers that were unity or unreal based and started to develop what we define in, in terms as PVP, player versus player battle games. If you could give us a little bit of a kind of optic of what you've been seeing over the last few months in terms of game development, how much more sophisticated are these games starting to become, you know, the design teams, you know, what are you seeing for the next six to 12 months in terms of game development? David, right now we're just scratching the surface barely scratching the surface because we haven't seen the big game developers to jump in into this space and deliver what would be what I'd call as um, what would become maybe a potentially a world-class play to earn games right a lot of the a lot of the games that we are seeing they're great they're amazing 
but there's an additional sophistication that's needed for play-to-earn games, which is the economics of it. It's essentially like every game, and Axie is a country, there are macroeconomics involved, there are inflation involved in it, right? And so this is something that's completely new. But when we talk about games, all I could say is the game developers who have years of experience, only a small portion of them have jumped into this space. And I'm very excited to see more and more polished games that will come into space as we grow. And are there markets for everyone? There are markets for everyone because Dan and I and Evan, the three of us, we love different types of games. I'm sure that Dan and I'm sure that David, you also love different types of games. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited to see more and more genre of games that comes in other than the similar type of Axie. Right now, there are a lot of Axie copycats and I'm just looking forward for, you know, the next Dota 2, the next Ragnarok, or the next Candy Crush even, right? Mm-hmm. But in a play-to-earn format. And therefore, uh, in YGG Southeast Asia, it's important for us to have those grassroots uh, presence in each country because each of these countries, there are tons of talents, David, of um, artists, of game developers that they they haven't been introduced to this space. And so right. with our presence there, we could also help them to bridge into the metaverse and to use our network if they need to. Right. I think as we're wrapping up, and every one of you can opine about this for sure, um, would love to hear, Dan, your thoughts on this, and of course, Evan and, and Irene. Um, what do you see as for the next 6 to 12 months in terms of play-to-earn gaming, of Web3 gaming, whatever we decide that we finally want to call this, and obviously the association of guilds? And what do you think the roadmap is for YGGC over the next 6 to 12 months? And maybe we'll start with Evan, and then we'll go to, to Dan, and then to Irene on that one. So what we'll, what our mission really is, is to not only grow the the population of the metaverse within Southeast Asia, but it's also to develop the the developers within that region. So we we plan very much to continue to invest in local developers and local scholars. Uh, That includes uh, expanding our offices throughout uh, other Southeast Asian uh, countries and um, growing out the existing teams. Uh, We'll be taking on uh, additional sponsorships and we'll start to be doing a lot more roadshows and getting out more to the non-urban areas of these these countries and um, trying to work with governments more to address serious social change. Um, I have a mission where I really want to take away unemployment in these countries. I want to give give all of these unemployed people a phone and uh, a scholarship to start generating some real income for them. Wow, that's that. And then Irene also has some other initiatives with the schools that she may talk about. Uh, yeah, we. Because when we talk about gaming and schools, right? I mean, all of us, we've experienced this. Our ears are pool and we are scolded by our parents. You know, if you play games all the time, you're going to fail in school, right? <laughs> so I've, I'm, I'm pretty cheeky. So I like to I like to go against and, uh, the, 
the normal conventions. So the first thing is when we first started YGG Southeast Asia, I went to the university, David, and I offered uh, YGGC scholarships to the students who are about to be dropped out of school. But instead of going to the students directly, I went to the professor and talked to them. Of course, they drill me like, like, like nobody's business, right? <laughs> like, how could you ask my students to play games? And after weeks of being grinded by them and helping them to understand what play to earn is all about, I was very surprised of how open they are when they realized that this could be one way that could keep their students in school mm-hmm. and to enable their new students to come in and be at school, mm-hmm. that they call it an academic scholarships mm-hmm. with that university. They just launched it a couple of weeks ago. Wow. And when we saw that, that is so powerful and that goes against the normal convention that education and gaming, now it can go side by side. And in fact, gaming is the very reason that students are able to stay in school because they can't stay in school otherwise. And one of the testimony that we got from the students uh, just last week was that they, they never thought that they could at that age pay for their own education. And by the way, their GPA is about 3.5, yeah, David. Wow. <laughs> and they were able to stay in school have extras to give back to their parents before they even enter the job market. That's amazing. And for me, that is powerful. And yep. we are really changing the normal convention here. That's that's fantastic to hear. Dan, anything on your side? Yeah. So it's funny. You, you mentioned kind of like, uh, oh, what do we call it? You know, uh, Game 5, Play to Earn Gaming, Web 3, etc. Uh, and I just, I call it gaming, right? It's kind of like, you know, with the advent of the internet, you, you can never go back to a day when there's no internet, right? It's just how life is now. And it's a part of everyone's life and it's changed everyone's behavior. And now that, you know, Web3 uh, is here, um, for gaming, this is just gaming. There's no going back to a day before you don't have ownership of your time, things you earn in game. Um, no one will ever be willing to go back to a day where you don't have ownership over that, right? Like digital property rights is, is now a thing and being able to earn from that is now a thing. <clears throat> and I think for us, yes, this first wave, I, I applaud like what Axie and a lot of other games have been able to do, um, and help in helping bring opportunity to the masses, uh, around the world. And I think there's still in the next six to 12 months, uh, a lot of room for growth as traditional gamers start to embrace gaming, just new features in gaming, right? Where they actually get to own what they do in game. Mm. Um, but you will see a huge groundswell of traditional game publishers, like the, the AAA studios start embracing this and realizing that you can't have walled gardens anymore. You can't have closed ecosystems. Um, that your, your audience is just going to flock somewhere else. Uh, because, you know, 20 years ago when I was, or yeah, 20 years ago when I was grinding, you know, for wow gold or farming herbs or whatever, like, yeah, that sucked. Like, but now that I like, I could do the same thing and, oh, it's, it's actually something that I own. I have a very direct result and impact because of it. You know, it's just, it fundamentally changes the, the landscape and the economy. And so I think the next 12 months, you're going to see a lot of these like <clears throat> big publishers come in with AAA titles and very, very deep experiences that at first the current, um, I say, I'd say like the current play to earn gamer base, uh, and our scholars may not be able to immediately pick up, 
but they will be taught because a lot of the traditional gamers will come in and also help lead the way and mature the entire ecosystem as a whole. Um, and that's why we're not just focused on, you know, games that have uh, immediate uh, economics for our scholars. We're also taking some pretty strong bets in the next generation of gaming, uh, mm. ones that include digital property rights as a key and core feature of their experience. Dan, it's like you've been reading my tweets for the last year. I love it. That was fantastic. Great opinions there. Well, this was a one of the best conversations I've had in some time with the YGGC team. Evan, Irene, Dan, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Uh, everyone will make sure that you have links to YGG's website and any other kind of information that is relevant to the next 6 to 12 months that they're working on. Thank you all for coming on, and uh, we'll be talking to you again in a few months. Take care. Thank you, David. It's our pleasure. Thanks for listening in to Baselayer. If you like the show and all the different guests that we've brought on, please give a like and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you do listen to the podcast. Also, if you want to have a conversation or reach out to me, you can reach me out on Twitter at David J. Nage. And let's talk there. Or also you can find me on LinkedIn. And I look forward to having great conversations with you all about digital assets.